Australia was burning at the beginning of the year. The world is gripped in a global pandemic. Heck, even murder hornets are a thing. So what better time to talk about preparing for the apocalypse? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Claire Riley, host of the new CNET series, Hacking the Apocalypse. Thanks for joining me, Claire. Thanks for having me on. So, I mean, we can all probably figure it out from the title, but if you can go ahead and break down what this show is about um, and just give us a bit of insight into what we can expect. Yeah, sure. So, we came up with this idea. Um, the CNET team was thinking about cool series and ways uh, technology is providing solutions for unusual situations. And last year, we were throwing around the idea of how could tech save us from the apocalypse? Could we hack our way out of you know doomsday scenarios? So that was the original idea. We we thought up a whole bunch of really m- our most terrifying scenarios. So mega tsunamis, um, global drought, and climate change. Um, Uh, nuclear winter, and, of course, a pandemic. All epidemics tend to start slowly. It's one person infecting a couple other people who infect a couple more people. And so it builds very slowly. And so we almost always miss the beginning of an epidemic. Of course, then 2020 happened and we had to kind of rewrite a lot of it because suddenly our pandemic episode, for example, was um, it was real life. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that was one of the questions I wanted to jump at. Like, I know this show has been in production for a while. Like, what what had to change when the, the real life scenario of a global pandemic hit? I assumed you had something in that in the works already. That was something more theoretical. But when, when reality kind of took hold, what happened? Yeah, so last year we went out and visited um, the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, which is a medical history museum. It's absolutely fantastic. We spoke to their lead historian about what happened during the great so-called Spanish flu outbreak, the influenza outbreak of 1918. And, you know, could it happen again? He was like, it's absolutely going to happen again. It's a matter of when. Then we spoke to um, a, a lead researcher and pandemic preparedness expert, Eric Toner at Johns Hopkins University. And I literally asked him it's on tape could we be caught off guard by, by some, some kind sort of, of horrible mutant bat influenza or something like that yes and we probably will be anyway so we still have that footage <laughs> um do you also have some stock tips you could offer as well i mean that's i have that, impressive. i have that book that biff has in back to the future um <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was very surreal and what what was really great, though, was that we had spoken to the experts before it was a thing about how they prepare for pandemics, how they go through simulations, how they how they work with global health experts to make sure we're ready for this kind of event. And Eric Toner from Johns, Johns Hopkins has been great. I've been catching up with him. I caught up with him yesterday, actually, to kind of touch base. And it's been so good to have that consistent voice. Um, he's, he's a really... R- rational, clever fellow. And it's it's so interesting to hear the sort of before, during, I won't say after, because he said he said to me, you know, um, it's it's not a case of waves. This is just this is going to be relentless. Wear a mask, you know? That's that's his advice. Uh yeah, no, please wear a mask, everyone who's listening. Um just there shouldn't be a debate about that. Um but let's let's step away from the reality we all live in. 
Uh, and talk a little bit about some of the other world-ending disasters you tackled on the show. Yeah, so one of the one of the really interesting ones was, oh, gosh, I mean, they were all fascinating. We've got six episodes, um, and I'll, I'll I guess I'll talk you through them. Um, we start with nuclear winter, uh, so we go inside a converted missile silo that's been turned into a luxury bunker for the super rich. Think million dollars per condo. All of our people are self-made. Um, Millionaires, they're very successful. Um, doctors, engineers, lawyers, international business people, almost all of them have children and they're concerned about the what if scenario. Like every year, it's like whether it was Superstorm Sandy or global climate change, uh, food shortages, economic collapse, meteor impacts, solar flares. You're listing and my nightmares. Exactly. If those are the kind of things that bother you, this is the kind of facility it takes to not worry about that. It's got an indoor rock climbing wall, swimming pool, cinema. We got to test it all out. Very fun. Our other day one episode is pandemic, which I just talked about. Um, then we go and we talk about global drought, which was something that was really personally very interesting to me because I came over to this country in January when my country was still on fire. You know, um, everyone was having to wear masks. You couldn't see in front of you because of the smoke. So climate change was really front of mind for me. And and what happens when the world runs out of water? We've seen it in Mad Max. What happens when the water wars become a real thing? So we spoke to the experts about how likely that is to happen. And then we spoke to some great researchers. Um, the first group were turning garbage juice into uh, drinking water, garbage juice, toxic waste, landfill, leach it, disgusting things like that, working how to purify water. And then we went to a great vertical farm that's using like 95% less water to grow uh, vegetables and how this could be the future of farming. So that was super fascinating. Um, episode four was about tsunamis. Now, I don't want to terrify you, Roger, but um, this part of the coast, uh, especially Pacific Northwest, as we head up to Seattle, there's a fault line there just a little bit off the coast, and they have a really catastrophic earthquake every 300 years or so. Not the, are you talking about the San Andreas or another fault? Uh, no, this is the Cascadia subduction zone. Oh. When you have a plate going underneath another one, that's where you get really catastrophic earthquakes. Um, you visited, Roger, you visited Fukushima, was it last year? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, two years ago, yeah. Two years ago, yeah. yeah. So you learned all about the really horrific tsunami that they had. Um, mm-hmm. We learned that. Those kinds of tsunamis in the Cascadia zone up near Seattle happen about every 300 years, and the last one was about 300 years ago, so uh, (laughs) not looking great there. But we tested a tsunami escape pod. Um, Now, this is like an orange ball that you get inside and you lock yourself into, and it's designed to help you protect yourself if, you know, if you're in a wave or if there's debris crashing. And so, I got inside and I locked myself in it. And they dropped me into the middle of the ocean. So, what, tell me, what was, that, what was that like? Was it, it was just like padded? Is there like cushioned inside? Like, how do you, how would you survive the those catastrophic waves? Yeah. So, it was, imagine an orange ball that's about the size of, uh, it's probably my arm span. So, maybe like, oh gosh, uh, imperial system. I know metric units. Come on, Claire. It's probably about like a meter and a half, a couple of 
I don't know, two hogsheads like five or six feet? Sure. Thank you. Sure. Thanks. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Um, bright orange. It's got a locking door. Inside, it's lined with the same insulation that was used to protect the space shuttle when it came back into the Earth's atmosphere. It's wired like a tubular aluminum framing inside, two jump seats that you're strapped into, and they did like full doughies. I don't know if you call them that in America. Full donuts. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, around this ball in a ship. I was in the line of this like ferry route. So I was getting waves crashing over me. I could kind of see ocean, sky. I was bouncing all over the place. It was kind of fun though. But I would say that was the most terrifying moment because I I just, I was so scared. I'm like super claustrophobic. I hate the ocean mm. and I had to get locked inside this thing and I wouldn't be able to get out. You know, I'd, I'd have to wait for them to tow me back in on a crane back onto the ship. So that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask about some of the crazy things you did for the show. That sounds like a, a pretty scary, although I, I have to agree, that sounds fun, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's fun and scary. But uh, what were some of the other things you uh, you had to do or put into or experienced uh, in the making of the show? Well, it's funny, actually, because episode after the tsunami episode was our fifth episode, and that was probably the most surreal and crazy episode of the bunch um we 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 decided what happens if you can't escape the apocalypse if the world's ending and you just kind of want to sleep through it so we went and visited a cryonics facility in the middle of arizona where people put their bodies into cryonic preservation which is um imagine freezing your body putting it into stasis kind of like captain america right well just and just to be clear are these folks already are they dead already or are they alive they're they already going? dead okay but technically well. according to the people at this facility they're not dead because death is only legally pronounced when your heart stops or your brain stops working you know i think what we're doing is we're, we're killing people who could potentially be preserved we're just throwing them in the ground they can be eaten by worms and bacteria or we're burning them up and to me that's kind of crazy when we could give them a chance if they want it these people have just finished their first life and then they go into a, a sort of a pseudo mortuary medical procedure where uh, medical grade antifreeze is pumped through their body their temperature is slowly lowered and they're lowered into liquid nitrogen and um I was in a room with 170 dead people stored in stainless steel tanks. Um, uh, not all dead people. Some of them just chose to have their heads preserved. Um, those people are kept in smaller tanks. Fun fact, <laughs> I actually opened one um, and and that was quite a surprise uh, to just sort of lift the lid on a, a tub and just see all this liquid nitrogen pouring out. And I said to the host who was walking me around, I said, Linda, is there a head in here? And she sort of popped her head down. She's like, oh, yep, yep, there's one in there. So I just quietly put the lid back. Wait, would they just let you open a lid that containing a dead person's head? I mean, look, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It was to to be to be fair. It was it's in it's in multiple levels of kind of containment and storage. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. It's this isn't this isn't a total whack job facility. Um, they were no, no, very. I, I I just get annoyed when my wife takes ice cream out of the fridge for just a little bit, and so I'm just like envisioning the same issue. Like, wait, that dead head needs to be preserved. Yeah. Why are you taking it out of its cryogenic stasis pod? Just, yeah. Well, I mean, sure. that's that's really interesting. We go through all the science of cryonics. We speak to a couple of experts experts, neuroscientists, all different kind of sides of the, I guess, the debate. I mean, scientists say this is not proven, it's not possible, but the Alcor people say, well, you know, it, it doesn't hurt 
to try. I mean, you're more likely to come back from here than you are if you get cremated, which is a pretty good point, you know. Did they say, by the way, how much this all costs? Yes, it's um, it's $80,000 if you're just uh, preserving the cephalon, which is the collarbone up to head, uh, about 200000 if you're doing a full body. But to be honest, they have a good point. You don't really need your body. You know, by the time you are in a world where technology is advanced enough to bring you back, they talk about technologies like nanorobots rebuilding your body on a cellular level. What if you just took your brain and you uploaded it into a new physical form? I hope that I won't have a biological body, but I'll have a body made out of nanobots. So it's sometimes referred to as a nanobot swarm or a nano cloud, uh, and it will be much more durable. I can be as beautiful as I want to be. I won't be old anymore. I mean, Roger, if you were if you were brought back in 2200, would you really want to have your 20th century body? You know, just kind of stuck around. It, I, I want I want some new hardware if I'm getting upgraded. Yeah, that's that's pretty tempting. Um, a little weird sounding. This show really uh, clearly uh, goes all over the place. Uh, and for your, it's a six-part uh, series. What is the what is the final episode about? Six part is like, okay, well, we can't escape the apocalypse. We can't sleep through it. Let's just get off the planet. So we went and spoke to some lovely folks down at NASA to hear about their um, their program to take humans onto the moon and then onto Mars. Um, so we went to a rocket launch in Florida. As you do, I almost stepped on an alligator, as you do, um, and we, we learn about what it's going to take to get humans to live on Mars. And then we talk to a fantastic company that are actually building space habitats from the kind of soil um, and materials that you could find on Mars. And we kind of learn about how do you build, what's an actual house on Mars look like, you know? Um, we've, we've got these grand ideas of space colonies, but when we actually move to Mars, how will we get there? How will we survive? How will we manage the journey? And then where will we live when we're there? So it was it was kind of cool to talk about the practicalities of actually living on Mars rather than just hearing Elon Musk say, I want to become an interplanetary species, but mm, someone else can sort that out. Right. Well, uh, fascinating. It seems like the show, like I said, goes everywhere. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, when uh, when does it premiere and where can I watch it? Okay, so from July 6th, so holiday weekend done and dusted. You've probably got a bit of, I don't know, what do Americans eat on holiday weekends? Hot dogs? you got a hot dog Hot hangover? dogs. Great. So many hot dogs. So many hot dogs. Um, hopefully you've been responsible, kept your mask on all weekend, um, and you're ready for, for binging some content. So July 6th, we've got six episodes. You'll be able to watch it on CNET.com, um, on YouTube, uh, our CNET's YouTube channel. We're doing a full takeover, as well as Pluto TV, so um, you'll be able to watch it on one of those regular televisions that I've heard so many good things about in our TV reviews from Cats. Um, so, yeah, and we'll, we'll have all the episodes. We've got a bunch of stories as well. I've got photos from the shoots. I've, you can see the habitats, the Mars habitats. Um, you can hear all about that crazy, wild cryonics adventure, and we kind of go in the stories, we kind of do a bit of a deeper dive, because um, there was so much that we could have put into the series. So, if you kind of want to deep in more to what the experts are saying, then we've got those stories to run with it as well. So there's a whole bunch of stuff and it's 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 really exciting. We've been working on it so hard. You know, we've got a, a massive team here that's worked on it. So I'm just kind of the host, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes. But um, yeah, we're really, really excited to kind of have CNET's first 
long form, deep dive kind of documentary series. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. If you have any questions for me or Claire, you can drop us a line at The Daily Charge on Twitter. I can check out Claire's show on, as she said, CNET, YouTube, and Pluto TV. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>